Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined as ever by the chief football writer of the Sunday Mail, Scott McDermott. And we're going to touch on all things Rangers today. We're going to look back at the season so far. We're going to have a little review of the last game before the international break. And we're going to take some questions from you, the fans. Scott, let's uh, start off with the the overall picture now at this first sort of break this first juncture in the season we're six games in yeah. Rangers haven't lost a single goal so far they've dropped two points against Livingston but I mean I don't want to go back over all grounds with that game but I think no. it's, it's fair to say they were, they were fairly unlucky in that game um, how are you assessing how things are progressing because I look at it we've been very critical of the attacking problems Rangers have had structurally but, but but once again, this season, Scott, and, and this, I think, from a Rangers point of view, would give you a lot of uh, cause for, for for hope that this season they can they can make a better fist of things. Is there just seems to be a, a move forward in a number of areas defensively? They look better, and they were already pretty good. Midfield's getting a little bit further forward in terms of they freed up that one player to to push right up, and and the strikers. Well, while the central striker isn't grabbing a lot of goals, maybe the way Morelos did in previous seasons, Ryan Kent's pitching in, Yanis Hadji was pitching in at the weekend. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, six games in, Johnny, it's hard to be to be critical. I mean, you, you, you're nitpicking, you feel as if you're nitpicking um, when you're being critical of a side that's you know, six games in, haven't conceded a goal. I mean, if you'd have said that to Stephen Gerrard before they, they kicked a ball, no, you'll get to the international break having not conceded a single goal. I mean, he would have bitten your hand off for that, um, albeit there was a blip against Livingston that we all that we all know about. But, I mean, you've touched on a lot of the positives there. I think you're right. I mean, defensively, look, absolutely rock solid. Um, and even behind that, no, the goalkeeping situation, you have to say, is stronger um, because, well, I, for one, I'm really surprised that John McLaughlin um, has grabbed that Jersey ahead of Alan McGregor. Now that that might change after the international break, but that's not the vibe I'm getting off Stephen Gerrard at the moment. Um, it seems to be that McLaughlin has impressed so much that you no, know, he's in possession, and it's going to take something. Uh, it's going to take him to make a mistake um, for Alan McGregor to get to get back in. Which, if you think about it. In terms of what McGregor's given Rangers um, in his career, and certainly over the last couple of seasons, that's incredible. I mean, I don't really think enough was made of what what a huge call that was for Gerard at the weekend to stick by uh, John McLaughlin um, as his number one. So they're really strong goalkeeping wise. The two fullbacks again look bang at it. No, 
delivering numbers in terms of goals and assists. Centre-backs, as I say, absolutely rock solid. That Hollander coming back the way he has done has been a major positive because I think there was doubts about how he'd be coming back for coming back for injury. I think they're stronger in that department as well when you consider how, how good Balligan's looked in the couple of games he's played. And then, of course, further ahead of that, I think you're right that the slight tinkering with the, the midfield, you know, allowing a kind of more natural number 10 to push on, join the full-backs and the front players. We've spoken so much about the, the fluidity of that that front four in terms of their movement, their interchange and their positions. It's worked well so far. If there's one gripe, of course, it's that they probably should have scored more goals and that was no more evident than the game uh, the game at Hamilton on Saturday. When, I wouldn't say it was a concern for Steven Gerrard, but you could tell post-match he was... A wee bit annoyed that there was an opportunity there, a real opportunity to go and rack up four, five, six goals in that game. Uh, and Rangers were wasteful uh, with, their, with their opportunities. So looking at it overall, there are major positives. I think they have taken a step forward. I know it's early days. They've taken a step forward um, from last season. He wants to sign another midfielder that could be the kind of last piece of the jigsaw and will make them you would hope, make them stronger again. Um, but I, I think he'll be really happy, aside from uh, he'd have wanted more more goals on that score sheet. One of the things that uh, really impressed me, Scott, is the way they've completely controlled games from the start yeah. to finish. There's been no one that's had an expected goal uh, number higher than 0.32. That was St. Johnson. Yeah. And uh, Kilmarnock had a 0.03 expected goal ratio against Rangers, which is unheard of in terms of how low it is. But it just shows you that no team statistically would have been expected to score a goal against Rangers this season. So it's not like yeah. they've had a few uh, dodgy moments and been lucky. It's it's absolutely deserved this defensive yeah. record. I think uh, I think they've had two, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I mean, the only two chances that I can think of that they've conceded was in that um, was in that St. Johnson game. Callum Hendry went through early doors and then there was a header in the second half, a point-blank header that uh, John McLaughlin saved. I mean, I think I'm right in saying those are the only two clear-cut. I mean, on, on Saturday... Uh, Sean wanted a header from a set piece uh, that, that McLaughlin pulled off an our great save but I mean, apart from that there literally has been no clear cut chances against them which you know, tells you about the just as you're saying about the, the, the control and the dominance they've got in these games Yeah absolutely uh, No, I, I completely agree What did you make of Hamilton in general Scott? I mean tough place to go uh, plastic pitch but, but the thing was Rangers got ahead early yeah. And they got ahead in a major way with two goals. So the rest of the game kind of petered out. Now, Rangers had chances and should have scored more, but Hamilton were never a threat at that point. And in many ways, it was the complete opposite of what we've seen probably in Gerrard's first season, especially, and previous years before that under Warburton and Kishina, where Rangers take a two-goal lead, but then you always yeah. feel like they're hanging on a bit. This yeah. was completely dominant. You can't, you can't emphasise enough, Johnny, how crucial the early goal is. I, mean, I know I sound like a uh, no, I know I keep banging on about this all the time, but it, it was evident again in Saturday. See, when you get that early goal, um, it just settles you down. No, any any team, particularly a team that no is going to dominate, like Rangers, going to you no know, be in charge of the possession. But getting that, no, and again, it's just 
no, it was a well worked goal, but no, you, you get a wee bit of luck with the, the header coming off the bar, and obviously Hadji's there to put it in. That settles the nerves. If you can go and get a second like they did on Saturday, then it really, you know, when you're talking about the expected goal ratio of the opposition teams, I mean, if you go two up, you've essentially killed the game off in the space of 20 minutes. So, you know, Gerard would take that every week, obviously, for games to peter out and win, and win 2 0. As I say, the only gripe that he'll have is that their dominance. No, was such that that was definitely a game to go and to go and rack up more goals. I mean, they created the chances, um, no, loads of chances in the final third where they had overloads and um, no poor decision making um, at crucial times. No, no executing the final pass or the fight or the or the finish. Um, that'll have frustrated them. But again, I think even Gerard, as much as it was annoying them on Saturday post-match, he was reluctant to be too critical because it was just so dominant from them, no, from early doors, that game was never in any, was never in any doubt um, and as I say, Hamilton very rarely get any opportunities to score that one set piece that I'm talking about, I think was the only one um, so, listen it'll be, overall, it'll be delighted but of course um, of course they can go and it, no, bury teams in terms of getting four or five and j- just in terms of I mean Gerard said it himself on Saturday it might come back to bite them I mean he's talking there about you know, if this league kind of title race is going to be so tight it might come down to, to goal scored who knows um, stranger things have happened so if they get similar games like that he'll certainly want to, want to put up bigger numbers Scott, I wrote a piece on the record website earlier on the week. They got me a bit of sick in social media. Now, you can apply that statement to almost any piece that I write. <laughs> However, I'm going to explain why and see what you think. Um, basically, I was looking at the expected goals, which I mentioned earlier on, but also the possession. Uh, and it turns out, when you drill into the statistics of Rangers' season so far, their average possession is 69%. Now, that's an upswing on last season of 10%, because right. over the course of the games, it was 59%. Now, we've seen in the games since Aberdeen that they've been over uh, 68% for every game, with Livingston being as high as 73 Now, yeah. Aberdeen was an outlier, as you might expect, away from home. Aberdeen are a decent side by Scottish standards. They were 60 Now, the one thing that's been sticking out within that level of possession, that level of control we've already talked about, what's been sticking out to me, they remind me a little bit of Brendan Rodgers, Celtic. I, I wonder if this has been almost a deliberate sense by Gerard and Beale that they're trying to utterly control games in the way that Rodgers did. They saw his success. They saw that blueprint, if you will, that he put down, which was you just minimise the potential for the random in games by controlling yeah. possession completely. And then you just wear them down with your your quality. Yeah, but, it might be too early, Scott. This is an early indication. It might be in five games' time, I can put the reverse of my opinion. But based on the six games, I feel like there's a little bit of a, a parallel between Brendan no. Rodgers Celtic. That's the thing. You, you, you might be right. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it would be deliberate on Gerrard's part to actually look at Rodgers' blueprint and, you know, and try and uh, emulate that. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. But what, what I think, mm. I agree with the, what you're saying about uh, getting control in the games and wearing teams down with, with more possession because no, ultimately Rangers came up short last season so there, there was reasons for that and Gerrard and Michael Beale and whoever would have had a lot of time uh, over the summer and over lockdown 
uh, to look at why um, why it did happen for them last season. We've already spoke on here about how defensively they probably had a title winning uh, a title winning defence. Same goals conceded the Celtic, but didn't they score enough goals? Uh, dropped too many points. As you say, the possession, uh, you know, fifty nine percent maybe isn't as high as they would as they would want it, or you would expect Rangers to have in the, the Scottish Premiership. So, I think Gerard would have looked at ways on how they could gain that extra percent in this league you know, to try and go and win a title. And maybe what you're describing is one of them, you know, to, to increase the possession, to tinker with the formation that gives them more possession um, and have that control and that dominance in games that, as you say, can just can just wear teams down. Now, the, the, to, to make that work, you, know, you need to... No, you need to take chances and you need you need to win games and that's that's why the, the Livingston game would have been so frustrating to have seventy odd percent possession. Be in control of that game. when it, on previous occasions going to Livingston, no Rangers would always give them a chance and Livingston were working in the game. That wasn't the case with the with the nil nil. Rangers were in complete control but just couldn't couldn't break them down. So you need to get that bit right to make uh, no, to make that system work. But listen, I, I agree with you in terms of what Rogers did at Celtic. No, it was that it was that style. The way Rangers have started this season does look similar. Um, and as I say, I think it would rather than actually you know, trying to copy what Rogers did. I think it's just Gerard will have looked at different ways. No, to to. No, to take them onto that next level if they can domestically um, by no dropping silly points and no uh, take maximum points for games where they, no they should always win and certainly it is early days but it seems to be it seems to be working at the moment. I mean there'll be bigger tests coming up after the international break. There's a lot of games with Europe starting. They go away to Hibs. So that'll be a tough game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how that develops in the in the coming weeks. And the one thing that stuck out from the Hamilton game was, of course, uh, Yanis Hadji's goal because he's had a bit of a stick, Scott, from uh, some he fans has. I noticed on social media. There's a, an expectation around him. I think it's a little bit unfair given his age. Um, yeah. He's clearly a quality player with a lot of talent who can become a real terrific player. But I think people have to realise he's just 21 yeah. and perhaps it might take him a couple of years to really fulfil what he's capable of, especially given how different Scotland is in terms of style yeah. of league. And Johnny, given that he only played 13 games last year, which is not long enough to adapt. Johnny, it's just, it's Rangers and it's the old firm. I mean, the, the it's what you expect in Glasgow, especially in a season like this. You know, I've heard Rangers fans no, giving it real criticism to had I mean, some of the stuff uh, I think has been really unfair on a guy that's twenty one. No, hasn't been at the club that long. And you consider look at the impact he had. But, I mean, people have just forgotten about the impact Hadji had when he came in last season. No, the goal against Hibs to get him to get him off to a flyer. The performances in Europe. No, the Braga comeback that he instigated himself at Ibrooks. No, the pass for Ryan Kent away to Braga to get them through. I mean, a major impact. Anybody that didn't think that the boy's a player then, um, no, he's kidding himself. He's two-footed. He's, no, he's, he's willing to take responsibility at a young age. I spoke about that last season when he, when he signed. I think he's a top player, and I'm not going to change my opinion of that. Uh, I, I said during lockdown that I, think, that I thought Rangers had to, no, had to go and 
no, break the bank, if you like, for want of a better expression, to, to get him on a permanent deal, and I, I stick by that. He isn't, uh, he hasn't had top for him yet this season. I accept that, um, but I thought on Saturday he looked a wee bit more at it. I think the goal will give him a lot of confidence, and eventually I think he will uh, flourish in this system where, as I say, that front four are given the freedom to go and to go and interchange and take up their own, uh, take up different positions. So, um, but some of the stick. Uh, and, and it is because of this season. You no, know, it's. Be, I've heard people saying, "Well, I mean, no, it doesn't matter that he's young. He's got to produce. I mean, no, they need to win the title." And you no, know, there's so much pressure on these these players. But for a guy, you no, know, a remaining boy at, at 21, given the talent that we know he's got, I think some of the stick uh, has been a wee bit premature. And I, I, I genuinely think he'll come good as the season progresses. Yeah, you just need to point to Joe Aribo and what he's started like in terms of this yeah. season compared to last. And just the benefit of having that year under your belt where you understand yeah. the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. You understand Scottish football and how different it is from any other league and the way teams sitting against you and the physicality that's allowed by the referees. All these yeah. things are massive. No, uh, listen, and but, but not- I get, Johnny, but I get people will respond to that and say, well, I'm sorry. No, Rangers are trying to stop 10 in a row. There, there can be no settling in period. No, these players need to come in hit the ground running. And, of course, you, you appreciate that. And you appreciate what's at stake. This, but it doesn't take away from the fact it's a boy, as you say, you know, at 21, who hasn't played a lot of football in the last few years. is still learning the game and finding his way in the game. You know, he's been in a couple of different countries. He's got huge pressure on his shoulders because of who he is. You know, he's now came to Rangers... Made a major impact, as I said, last season. So again, there was pressure at the start of this. I, I just think some of the some of the flack has been a wee bit a wee bit over the top. Um, and listen, Gerard's left him out for a few games, so he's not been entirely happy with his performances. But I think he'll get better as this season goes on. And I also think Hadji, you no, know, could could be a kind of big game player. And when Rangers need him to produce, um, he will. Yeah, he's one of those guys a wee bit like Ryan Kent, but he's a bit more space and it's a little bit less congested. He yeah. might be more of a defining player. And you yeah. saw that against um, Braga last season in Europe. Yep. He was able to make the difference in that kind of yep. game. So perhaps the, the bigger the opposition, the better the opposition, the bigger impact he can have. Right, we're going to move on to some... Fu- Sorry, what carry on. I was, I was just going to say, what do, you, what do you think of the goalkeeping situation? I'm interested to know because, I mean, as I say, I'm surprised... Um, but it's happened. I think uh, McLaughlin's been outstanding, by the way, since he since he came in. So I mean, it's hard to you know, for anybody to have a real gripe with it. But I have heard fans say, no. I mean, I've heard a couple of fans that I know say this is no. This decision's massive. It could no. It could come back to bite Gerard. No, shouldn't they be taking chances like this? McGregor's the undisputed number one. He should be in goal as soon as he's fit. I mean, what, what, what's your take on it? My brutal, honest take on it is this. I think Alan McGregor is still, even at 38, a better shot stopper than John McLaughlin. Yeah. And in that sense, probably what we would associate therefore as a better goalkeeper. Yeah. However, John McLaughlin is significantly better with the ball at his feet, in my in my view. Yeah. Um, a lot more calm, a lot more comfortable, and. There's a, this one other thing that's just slightly niggling away at me about John McLaughlin compared to Alan McGregor is that 
McLaughlin is much more of a calming presence at the back. Yeah, he's not shouting and bawling and screaming and organising. He, he, he seems a much more placid lad. You know, he was. I think he didn't come into professional football till he was quite, quite yeah. late on. It was actually your piece, Scott. I was reading. He's been at university and he came That's into right. football late. And I think he's just a different character entirely to Alan McGregor. Yeah. And the question will come for I think Gerard and Beal. What do we want from our goalkeeper? Is it a guy who is a big character, who is capable of incredible stops? Or are we actually a little bit more concerned with him building stuff from the back and yep. being able to take the ball in tight situations and move it out quickly? I don't think McGregor's terrible with the ball at his feet or anything like that. I think he's perfectly yep. adequate and he's been fine. But he's a little bit hmm, less comfortable. And I think if you give McGregor the ball in tight, uh, McLaughlin the ball in tight situations, he can start the ball rolling very, very quickly. And yeah. I've been really impressed with that aspect of his game. But as a shot stopper, he's, he's, he's not in the same league. No, I, I think you're right. I think it is the calmness. I think that's the crucial part of it. And it's the one thing that's been really striking about his performances so far. Um, and I agree with you also about the shot stopping. I think McGregor probably is a better shot stopper. But... The, where I would praise McLaughlin is that, you know, I think people looked at it and probably agreed McGregor is a better keeper, better short stopper, and crucially, McGregor's the guy we can rely on if there's one save to be made in a game. You know, his concentration levels are, are, are such that you know, he, he will come up with that, that big save when they, when they need it. And listen, I probably... When I went along with that at the start of the season, uh, I, I wondered whether McLaughlin would, would have that in his locker. But I have to say, the game so far, although we are saying they haven't conceded a lot of chances, when he has been called upon, and you know, Saturday was the prime example, you know, that was an unbelievable save for once header at, at Hamilton, at his, at his near post. I mean, it was the only mm. thing he had to do in the game. Um, but he did it and it was the same with the, the couple of saves that I mentioned against St Johnson so again it's early days I've heard people say you know, McLaughlin maybe kept his place on Saturday because it was AstroTurf and obviously McGregor's had the issue with his knee obviously the next game is home to Dundee United uh, back at Ibrox and maybe McGregor will come back in but as I say I'm, I'm not so sure I think the way Gerard's talking now is that McLaughlin's in possession and it's, it's up to McGregor to get it back yeah, listen, Scott, I mean, I brought this up after the Leon game uh, on the podcast that I wondered if there was going to be a, a, a tightening between the two of them. And I wonder if you might just stick with McLaughlin for this very reason. Sometimes I think we're challenged as journalists, and I think as football fans probably in a larger sense, sometimes change how we perceive a position. And I think goalkeeping is going through that kind of flux at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think for a team like Rangers, who are mostly on top in games, it becomes even more important to have a keeper that is able to take the ball and, and move it quickly. So that might be the overriding concern, um, but time will tell. I think it would be really harsh on Alan McGregor because he's been such a good servant to the club and he's been terrific for the last two years, I think as Gerard said. But yeah. you know what? And there's no time um, at a club this size for any kind of sentiment, sentiment. Uh, and yeah. he'll have to just make that, that big decision listen we're going to have to move on now to the questions because time is 
of the essence. Um, we've got one from BMC Rangers Ranch. She's asking, is there any signing target news? Now, Scott, you've been at the forefront of the, some of the transfer stories you've broken um, in terms of Rangers this summer. Are, are, are you thinking that there's going to be anything done in the, in the coming weeks? Gerard did say they expected some action. Yeah, I think he wants, it's no secret, Johnny wants one more uh, central midfielder and to make that department stronger. Um, <clears throat> of course, they'll have a list of other uh, other targets um, or potential targets in case um, players move on. I mean, I wrote, wrote a few weeks ago that there's an interest there in uh, Jacob Murphy at Newcastle and that's one where... No, he's on a he's on a list of you no know, Rangers have looked at him. Stephen Gerrard likes him. Um, no, there's nothing imminent with it, but he is he, he is on a list of potential targets. Should a should a kind of space arise and Rangers need to need to move, but the priority at the moment is a another central midfielder. Um, we know that there was certainly an interest in Bongani Zungu a few weeks ago. He was another one that they'd looked at. I know they've they'd looked at a lot of footage of him. Uh, and had watched them closely uh, at Amiens, but for one reason or another, they haven't uh, pursued that, um, or they're not pursuing that at the moment. So um, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks to see if there is any any movement. I mean, Gerard said on Saturday that he was happy with the squad as it is just now. No, but obviously he wanted that uh, that that one more midfielder, and he said once he once he gets that, then. No, that that would be it. He would only then buy again or go and get somebody if people moved on. Now we know he's moved on McCrory, Doherty and Murphy uh, from the squad, which I think he'll be he'll be quite happy about just in terms of trimming it and getting guys out who, who weren't playing. There's obviously one or two still there, the likes of Jordan Jones, um and Greg Stewart, who you would think um I was going to say Brandon Barker, but he seems to be a... He's not, he's not, <laughs> well, a, he's, he's not a regular. Uh, listen, Scott, I think people know that Brandon Barker is one of your pressure points. I've got a question <laughs> from Matt, Jamie Curry, 89. He's asking, do you think he'll get? he's getting minutes with a view to selling him? Or is he a part of the plans going forward? I think at the moment, Johnny, it looks as if he's part of the plans. I mean, I don't think Stephen Gerrard no, would risk anything in, in these games. Well, knowing how crucial these games are and what's at stake, I don't think he would, he would play a guy just to try and try and get minutes in his legs, and so people could see him to, to move him on. Um, so not no, not at the price that you would get for Barker either. No, I mean, exactly, exactly. Given what he's done. Yeah, I think. Listen, Brandon Barker's obviously went back after lockdown and really impressed the the manager, whether, whether you like it or not. He came on in France in the the friendly tournament. Uh, made a real impact when he came on against uh, Leon, and we spoke to Gerard afterwards. And to be honest, it was quite kind of dismissive uh, that, that performance. Uh, I think his quote was, you know, "One or two cameos in friendly games is, isn't going to be enough." So clearly, he had doubts then about whether Barker could maintain a level of performance. But we don't see him in training. He's clearly doing it, um, you know, behind closed doors. Um, and no, that's resulted in him getting getting starts. I mean, listen, Joe Aribo's taken back, and you would imagine obviously the team will change slightly, and you would think if there's one guy to drop out, it would be Barker. But certainly in terms of the squad, 
it looks as if he is going to be part of the squad for this season unless somebody comes in and, and takes him. Um, but the ones you would... Obviously, Morelos is a big one in terms of him potentially moving on. Um, but the other two probably fringe guys are Jones and, and Stewart, who people are maybe looking at thinking they could they could go. So I think if he, get, if he gets a midfielder in, you know, the guy that he wants, you know, in terms of being a, a first-team player, a potential starter in that engine room, then those two would be the only others that if they moved on, then he'd maybe look to bring bring somebody else in. Just on Jones and Stewart, Scott, how big a factor is the loan to a premiership club where you know they will play against Celtic, but not yeah. against you? So yeah. not only do you have that win of, for example, let's talk about Jamie Murphy. He's yeah. going to go to Hibs and be one of their best players. So not only do you have that win that, that, that Hibs are paying his wages and he can't play against you, but you know that Hibs will then be disrupted by that when they play you. They'll have to change their formation. Yep. But when they play Celtic, they'll be absolutely at their best. Now, would that also apply potentially to Jones and Stewart? Now, I know there's interest in the championship for Jones, so perhaps he's more likely to make a move down there where you know the speed and power that he has is, is going to be um, really well used in that yeah. league. But someone like Greg Stewart, who's already been a, a top performer in, in the Scottish Premiership, say he was to go back to a Kilmarnock, say, yeah. <laughs> it's yet another oh, one of those weapons that you're using against Celtic. It is, and I think uh, I think Stephen Gerrard would have thought about that. I mean, listen, I know that I know there's some fans out there a wee bit disappointed that Rangers, uh, no Rangers, aren't really going to get any money for Jamie Murphy. No, it's another loan initially to, to Hibs. Um, in terms of Ross McCrory, it's a loan and then a and then a buy at the at the end of the season. So, and I get that. I think Rangers for too long have lost too much money. Uh, in terms of letting players go on the cheap or just letting players run contracts down and um, letting them go for, for free. I think Rangers have been guilty of that. But it's almost like the flip side is, as you're saying, that you know, these players could have an impact against Rangers' kind of main rivals, uh, which is obviously going to be Celtic in terms of the in terms of the title. Uh, I think you're right about Jones, yeah, about Murphy. It could be the case with Jones and Stewart. I think even McCrory at Aberdeen been no, been able to play against Celtic, albeit no more defensive minded. But no, the way he started at Aberdeen, and I know people have been getting on about it, but it was he was he was terrific uh, against Hibs at the weekend. That'll be a major kind of boost for Aberdeen having him against Celtic. But then obviously when Rangers play Aberdeen, he won't uh, certainly this season he won't be able to play. So it could listen. It's one of the things. It might might not have an impact, but there's the there's the potential for it, and it, and it is the same. If Jones and Stewart were to go on loan to Scottish Premiership clubs, it would be the it'd be the same scenario. So long term, you know, in terms of this season, it could it could work in Rangers' favour. Okay, well we've got a, a question from Scott Cameron at Cami twenty six underscore two, and this refers to a rumour that seems to have been flying about social media today regarding Rangers' interest, but. Rangers' potential interest, I suppose, in Lewis Ferguson, Scott. This has been yep. flying about. I've been seeing it on Twitter all day. Um, Scott asks, would it make any sense to bid for Lewis Ferguson when he's highly unlikely to make the starting 11 this season? I've always been a fan of Lewis Ferguson, Johnny, um, and I've always said I think he would be a, no, he'd be a really good signing for Rangers. Whether he gets straight into starting 11... 
I'm not sure. I mean, he, he would have a chance. He's, I think he's a really talented boy. He can play in a number of positions. I think he's got the physicality that Gerard is looking for in you no know, bringing another midfielder in. Um, I think no, I think technically he's a very good player as well. I mean, what, what surprises me is that if there is an interest from Rangers and Lewis Ferguson, surely when you're sitting down to do the Ross McCrory deal. Ferguson would come into would come into play. I mean, if you if you, if Aberdeen are, are desperate to get McCrory, which Derek McInnes says they are, they uh, are they were. They've, they've obviously worked this deal where um, it's a loan initially, but then McCrory signs. I think it's a four year deal at the end of the season. So there's clearly been a bit of a bit of negotiating, a bit of bargaining between the two clubs. I think if Rangers had a concrete interest in Ferguson, you no, know, that would have been the time to go and to go and do it and work, work McCrory into any any kind of deal to, to get Ferguson to Ibrooks. Um so I'm not sure where that's come from I don't think there is any kind of update on that I'm sure he'll be a player that Gerard and Ross Wilson like um, but whether he can uh, whether it will happen or no uh, I'm, I, would, I would have my doubts because I think it would have I think it would have happened before now Listen, I, I like Ferguson as well, Scott, and I, I would take him in a heartbeat to give you something a wee bit different. I think in a game where you are struggling and it's a bit of a battle, I would rather have him in central midfield for Rangers than some of the players they've got at the moment. Um, but, and here's the crucial thing, if you look at the five centre midfield players or the five players that can play in centre midfield for Rangers at the moment, you've got Glenn Kamara, Stephen Davis, uh, Scott Arfield, Joe Aribo, Ryan Jack, they're all guys that are incredibly comfortable with the ball at their feet in tight situations. And we yeah. talked about how big a thing that is for Rangers in goal. Yeah. But it's massive in central midfield. Look at the way he sets up in Europe. It's all little boxes, little quick feet, little passes. I'm not sure that if Ross McCrory isn't good enough technically to break into that, that Lewis Ferguson's going to be now. He's a totally different kind of player. So yeah. perhaps... You know, looking for a box-to-box, it's maybe a different thing. But I agree with you. I have to say, surely that would be factored into the signing. But for yeah. me, that's the key, Scott. It's the type of profile of a player that they like. And he doesn't really fit it. I, I don't disagree with you. What I would say is I think McCrory, I think Ferguson is better technically than McCrory. Um, with the ball at his feet, I think he's, I say he's a lot better. And that's no disrespect to Ross McCrory. Different type of, different type of player altogether. And I think you're maybe doing Ferguson a wee bit of a disservice to say he couldn't come into Rangers and adapt to that. No, I think he's got no real ability. No, I watched him very early on in his career at Hamilton. I thought he was a real talent. Um, in my opinion, hasn't changed. The fact that he's, I mean, he went to Aberdeen and people were saying he'll be a squad player at, uh, for Aberdeen. I mean, McInnes, look, if you speak to Derek McInnes about him, he looked at him in training like first week he was there and just thought. This boy has to play. I mean, he literally couldn't couldn't leave him out. Now I know Aberdeen's a different kettle of fish, but you're talking about a boy that's still playing with Scotland under 21, so he's still a young young player. Um, and I think he's a no, he's he's a boy in a in a kind of man's body, if you like, because of that. Yeah, I'll, physic- I'll be honest, Scott, and say I'll be honest and say that my, my tendency with with Lewis Ferguson, and this is really really unfair, but it's it's to compare him technically to his father and his uncle. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's probably a bad way of looking at it. So I've maybe done him a little bit of a disservice no, there. And, and to be I, fair, I, the way I, I think he's a really good player, Johnny. But whether it will happen, 
No, and he'll get him out to Rangers. I'm not sure. As I say, I'm sure they'll, they'll like him. But, and, I, and as I say, I think if it did happen, it'd be a really good signing for Rangers long-term. Long uh, but like you, like we've both said, I think if it was going to happen, it would have probably happened by now and, and it would have happened as part of the, the McCrory deal. OK, final question from uh, a puck. A poke of chips now. <laughs> a poke of chips now. Terrific wee reference to Francis Ford's Coppola's film there. Apocalypse Now. But um, fortunately, I, I could just about say it, but it was a bit of a difficult one to read straight off Twitter. He's asked, how close is the team to being complete? I have a feeling we could acquire a Scott Allen-esque player. He's obviously trying to butter you up uh, there, yeah. Scotty. Um, but with a work ethic. Um, and they'd be more than happy with that. Seeing that Stephen Ger- Stephen Davis, uh, if he was ten years younger, would solve the problem. Yeah. So the the, the the big part of that is how close is this team to being complete? I suppose. Well, I think they're one in terms of the squad just now. They're they're one player away uh, from where Gerard wants it to be, and that is as a midfielder. I mean, I, I, we don't know exactly what type of midfielder Gerard is looking for. I mean, my guess is that it would be somebody a bit more box to box, as you've mentioned. I still think they need a kinda enforcer type in there. Uh, we think like sound too old fashioned, but I think they probably need a ball winner, uh, who might not play every game, but but big games in Europe or no, big games away from home in the Premiership. I think they need somebody with a bit more physical presence in there. Uh, Chelsea are looking to get rid of N'Golo Kante, though, aren't they? He, uh, he'd be ideal. He'd be ideal. <laughs> Take him on loan. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's just that's just my opinion. I, I don't know that if that's exactly what Gerard is Gerard is looking for, but he the, no, he obviously feels they're one midfielder away from being where, where he wants them to be. But that's no taking into consideration the Morelos situation. Um, and if he goes, I know people have said, obviously, Ruth and Itten have come in as like, replacements for Morelos, but I mean, I, I have heard fans mention that, no, if Morelos goes, no, would they need a, would they need another striker uh, just to, to beef them up again in that, that department? I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, if Ruth, Itten and Defoe, when he gets back, might be enough, but that would That's be enough really- for me. Yeah, that, that would be the only other thing Gerard might look at. No, assuming Morelos does go, will he still be looking at a at a fourth striker he maybe to maybe bring in just to give them No, that again we go back to what's at stake this season. Will he feel that he just needs that bit more ammunition uh, up top? Because obviously Roof is still finding his way a bit in terms of fitness and his, you know, him and Itten are new guys coming into the club Itten's picked up a wee injury it's going to take him a bit of time to get going obviously Defoe's coming back for injury um, it'll be interesting if and when Morelos goes whether that's something that uh, Gerard looks at again Just finally Scott just before we, move, we uh, finish up we've got a tweet, tweet here from uh, Gary Carmody and he's asking um, how important is the signing of a new midfielder because there's lots of chat about finding one who can break the lines. I mean, we've discussed it now. Um, he said, but it's clear the two deeper midfielders are just there to keep things ticking over and yeah. cover the fullbacks. I mean, my take on that would be that it would be to give Gerard tactical options. So yeah. if there is a game where, like Livingston, the, you've got two midfielders sitting in that block and yes, they're, they're achieving a, an important function, but can you get somebody in that can both sit and do the box-to-box yeah. so that if they need to, 
they have the tactical intelligence to say, right, I need to go now. I need yep. to make the move forward. Um, is that what you? I think. Is, it is. Is that how I you think, see it? I, yeah, I think it's just to strengthen his options in there, Johnny, and get give him something a bit different. I mean, I don't think they have a physical midfielder. Um, no, you think of Davis and Jack and Kamara. And that. I mean, these guys are not physical in terms of. Um, no, sitting in front of the back. No, listen, I know Rangers, the games that you're talking about, no, and they're not giving away chances. No, people say, well, why, why do they need a guy? But you're going to get games later this season, no, going away to Celtic, no, away to Aberdeen again, no, maybe even away to Hibs, certainly going away for home in Europe. I think they're going to need somebody with a physical presence in there. But as you say, has that physicality that if the game changes or it is a live away where you're camped in no, you're camped in their box, but can't break them down. No, can that guy go and go and change his game and adapt and no get into the box? Do you know what I mean? And use his physicality in that way. I think I think that's what he's looking for. Just somebody a bit different to what they've to what they've got. Um, and just just to no almost like complete the kind of makeup. Or I think if he looks then you mentioned the five central midfielders. If he gets that other one in. I think you want to look at the six and just think, right, I've got a bit of everything in there uh, in terms of what, what I need and what I'm going to need for, for certain games. I think ahead of that, when you've got like Hadji and uh, Kent and, and people like that, then no, they're your flair guys that's going to go and, going to go and make things happen. I think you could put a rebo into that, that category as well. He almost kind of crosses over into that, that category. So um, I think when he, as I say, I think when he, if he gets his one more midfielder, it will just be to give him a real, uh, no strong options in there when he when he looks at any given game. Okay, Scott, we're going to call it a day there. We've got a, an incoming tweet from Barisic's left peg who says, "Is it true at Scott McDermott swings a golf club with the same finesse as Barisic's left peg asking for a friend?" <laughs> I can tell you. Mr. Barisic, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> we won't take Scott's counsel on this because he will give you a full um, testimony on that. But uh, I can tell you that definitely, definitely not. Right, we're going to call it a day there. Thanks for all the questions and thanks indeed for listening. If you want to continue the debate on Twitter, you can. I am, as ever, at Johnny R. McFarlane while Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you like the podcast, we know thousands of you do, please go online and give us a five-star review at any of your podcasting platforms. Until next time, thanks for listening.